Hey, welcome to How to Write a Novel. So, uh, yesterday, my writing went extremely well, and I didn't expect it to. I was super exhausted, because, uh, I don't know, for some reason I was up till 5 in the morning. I don't know why, <laughs> the day before. I've been trying to pull my sleep schedule back to semi-normalness. Even if just because at the end of the month I gotta switch Airbnbs and it's easier to do when you don't wake up at noon. But it's really hard for me to regulate my sleep. That might even be the worst part. Like as much as going to school or having a normal job drives me fucking nuts, the rigidity of sleep might even be the worst part just grinds me down, man. It's actually easier just to shake things up, like when uh, I used to be a coffee shop boy at this 24-hour coffee shop. Sometimes I would work 3 to 11, sometimes I'd work 11 till 7 in the morning, and just kind of shake those up, and it's like, well, I'm always a little fucked up, I'm always a little tired, but it's not bad, I can do that. Then if they ever stuck me on the 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. shift, though, that just always sucked. Getting up early, it's brutal. It's brutal. It's a good feeling. I like to get up early when I can, but my sleep schedule always drifts the other way. It's easy to stay up later and later. Can't force yourself to go to sleep. Sleep just happens when it fucking happens. So anyway, so I was pretty wiped out, and I was also just kind of feeling kind of blah, because, you know, the day before, two episodes back, you know, it was all, like, fucking highly charged, emotional journey down my fucking interior landscape. And, you know, like, emotional openness and self-reflection are not as empowering as one might hope that they would be, you know? That's why most people don't do it, I mean... It's way more common to find people that are just kind of shut down. Either in the kind of just taciturn, weird old guy hanging out in a woodshed, smoking a pipe or whatever. <laughs> but also the other side, like when you just get like silly, bubbly, suburbanite moms and stuff. They're fucking locked down too, you know? They just want to live in this weird, silly... Brady Bunch fucking world and not actually confront anything. See, it's one of those things I've always like, you know, I want to try to keep as limber as I can. I want to keep those wheels greased. I want to make sure that that's part of my repertoire. I don't want to just turn into some weirdo that's just like, I'm just going to be shut down and I'm never going to talk about anything. But on the other hand, yeah, it's, uh, it's not comfortable. It's like... Yet another catch-22, like the first step toward getting past a situation or getting past some kind of problem is to identify it and to recognize it. You know, if you can't see it, then you can't get past it. But at the same time, if you don't acknowledge it, then you don't have to face it. <laughs> you know, you can just pretend it's not there. Obviously a terrible fucking path, but, but yeah, it's uncomfortable is all I'm trying to say. Wasn't feeling at my tip-top best yesterday. And I was having all these thoughts that because I was feeling kind of torqued up 
it's like, all right, so maybe the story should go that way. Is that the way things are going to go? You know, follow my feelings. Follow what I'm feeling inside and put that on the page. But what I was surprised about when I sat down to write is it came real easy. This chapter came super easy. I still wrote it kind of point form wise. Actually, specifically what I did, there was this old Charles Bukowski book I read when I was a teenager called Betting on the Muse. That was, you know, just one of his poetry books. They're probably all similar, but this is the only one I ever read. I really liked it. I should try to get another copy of that someday. But it's all written with no punctuation and just each line is just a new line of the poem. So it doesn't actually rhyme and you could rearrange it into conventional prose and it would probably work fine. But it was just neat. I always liked that style. And I used to write stuff in that style a bit back in those days. Because it is kind of more stream of consciousness feeling. So I just kind of wrote like that, like here's a moment, new sentence, here's a moment, new sentence. When a distinct shift happened, then, you know, new paragraph and just wrote it out like that. So I'm going to have to go back, obviously, and uh, flesh this out, fill this in. But it's pretty solid. It's pretty much there. And I just sat down and wrote the whole thing. And it's not at all what I was kind of thinking. Where I was thinking like, okay, since I hit on this thing that makes me agitated, it makes me kind of upset. Let's follow that feeling, you know? Let's be a fucking truffle hound. Let's fucking... Let's figure out where this goes. But what I found, it's almost like a feeling of, like, cognitive dissonance, where as I'm writing, it didn't go that way at all. It didn't get... You know, I guess also because I was talking about melodrama. It certainly didn't go melodrama. It went the other way. I'm like, man, this is really even-keeled. This is still more just, like pontificating but not feeling so much, more intellectualizing by this character, not just all these feelings that me, the author, was feeling. And it was a weird thing, because it was like just this realization, one of these realizations that can only really come through the process of actually writing and of putting yourself in each moment, instead of just uh, conceptualizing of stuff from on high, is that I was feeling that stuff, but this character wasn't. This character isn't me, you know? This character is not in that situation. This character is not interpreting things the same way. And it was just kind of cool. I'm like, all right, take me on the ride. You tell me, you know, you tell me how you feel. And it still gets a little bit of, because kind of where I was thinking of going when I thought like, hey, is this gonna blow up? Is this gonna be a big, bad, drama-rama, superific chapter? is that the kind of uh, thing that's been rolling around in my mind is how this character who is, she's one of like five or six of these displaced aliens because their planet blew up and they're stuck on this other space station, but they never talk to each other. And it's going to be a big thing eventually. Somebody's going to ask like, how come you never talk to them? What's going on with that? And it's because what can they talk about besides this horrible thing that happened to them and they just don't want to, it's one of the same thing, they don't want to deal with it, they don't want to face it. So they just don't talk. So I did get kind of some of that and in a more subtle way is the way this chapter ends is that she does kind of inadvertently end up talking a little bit to one of her fellow species and just a little bit, it's just a tiny little thing. 
but I love the way it kind of works because it's like, okay, she's not really that rattled, but she is a little. She's enough that this is the thing that can happen now. This is kind of an acceptable step toward commiserating with her, whatever countrymen would be, her fellow planet, Terry Denizens. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just great. Just a great day. Went real good. And, uh, and then it's interesting, too, that idea of kill your babies, right? Of, like, I've had this scene in mind since before I started the book of her kind of losing control of herself or whatever. And this kind of interferes with that. This takes a lot of pressure off that because it's, it's not, like, just this big barrier of, like, I can never talk to the other people from my planet. I'm just putting up this wall. The wall is already breaking down. So it's like, so maybe that scene won't work. Like, maybe I'll just never get there. Maybe I'll never find a place where that fits. But that's fine too. Like, I remember when I first heard that notion of kill your babies, which is just like, if you have that amazing scene or that awesome golden line that you just love so much, that you should remove those things. Which I disagree with. <laughs> In the same way that I disagree with most writing advice. It's like, I think you should go for it. I think you should try to keep it. You should try to use that line. If it's a great line, it's a great line. If it's a great moment, it's a great moment. Like, don't just get rid of it as a matter of course. Don't just go like, oh, I like that one too much. That needs to go. Like, that's weird and that's crazy and that's not a good thing to do. Whereas what I think people really mean and what is a good idea is not to hold on so tightly to those moments and those scenes that you're in love with that it starts to affect other stuff. Like if you're holding on to this one scene because you're like, this scene needs to go in. No matter what, this scene has to stay. And then it becomes like a gravity well. It starts warping reality around it, you know? Like your whole story is going to get contorted and weird and it's gonna shift and change in all these little subtle weird ways because you're trying to hold on to this one thing that maybe doesn't fit and that can go terribly wrong. So, you know, so I guess I would say don't kill your babies, but be very wary and aware of them, you know? Keep an eye on these beautiful moments because if the story as a whole is, uh, getting scoliosis and getting all fucked up just in order to try to maintain this one thing, then yeah, maybe that thing has to go. I guess that's what it kind of boils down to, is that with most writing advice, it's like, I think you should ignore it until you don't, you know? <laughs> ignore it initially. Pretend it's not even a thing. Just keep going however you want to go. Do what you think you need to do. And then when things don't work, then take the advice, then cut the fat, then kill the babies, then do all that stuff. But I think if you go into something just predisposed to following all these weird pieces of advice, the thing that's going to come out on the other end is just not going to be you. It's going to be just, it's going to be bland. How could it not be? I almost forgot something else I wanted to say, even though now we're by the horrible, loud street. Is that's one thing that's interesting too, is just because uh, 
you know, from two episodes back where I was talking, and I've had a couple episodes like this here and there, where it's like, here's the big pitch, here's the big idea, here's the big, like, maybe I can change the world, here's my ultimate super mega plan. And that's an interesting thing to think about and to kind of roll around in your head, and I think it is kind of a good thing to have inside you somewhere, you know, to have that potential idea in you, because you're not going to do it by accident. But it's also not realistic. It's not a way to write a novel, you know. You don't write a novel with the plan of, I'm going to take over the world with this fucking amazing-ass book, you know. So that's one thing I noticed is like, I'm like, okay, I've got this, this feeling, this big bad feeling I've got, let's follow it. This must be important or I wouldn't feel this much about it. But then when I write the actual chapter, it's not like that. It's just, it's better, it's what it should be. But then I'm also looking at it and I'm like, wow, compared to the day before when I was like, my mind was swimming with all these big ideas and giant concepts and stuff. But now when I'm looking at the chapter, it's just a chapter. You know, it's just a chapter in a book. Hopefully it's a good chapter in a good book, but it's not, it's not the fucking Bible too, <laughs> you know? It's just a chapter in a book. And yeah, I don't know, I thought that was interesting too, just that idea of like, you know, I think it is cool to have the big plans and to have the big visions. But the reality of writing a book is not that. The reality is just writing the book, is just ground pound, just like feet on the floor, work on it every day, approach this reasonably as what it is, as just a daily task to write a book and not to get lost in the weird genie dreams because that's not going to get you to the end. Everything's contradictions is basically what I'm saying. That's what this podcast should be called. Everything is a contradiction. Everything is two things at once. All right, so that's it for today. Fucking song of the day. I'm actually I'm just on my way to a McDonald's because there's a McDonald's nearby. And there's always a McDonald's nearby. So let's play Wendy McDonald by Spooky Reuben, the greatest ode to fast food. Because it is like a sarcastic, like, one million trees equals two double burgers with cheese song. But at the same time, this like, whenever I get to a new town, there you are, there's your smiling face, there's Wendy's, there's the golden arches, there's whatever. And it's like, you're always there when I need you. Take this exit, cause I just saw the good old gas and food sign. There you are, and I'm so happy to see you again. You're always there when I need you. You're my monosodium glutamate. A never-ending affair of love. <laughs> Some old guy just caught me singing. Now I feel foolish. Alright, I'll see you tomorrow.
to be in your lap Oh my god She thinks she can rule the world This ain't no town If she doesn't live here too In the distance She's constantly calling